You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Corel, and I am so, so excited to be with you guys today. Today, we are entering into a new series, SOAR, and I just want to be real with you before we enter this series. This series will take us into the end of 2021, and SOAR was actually the word that was given to me at the beginning of the year. And, you know, when we hear words like that, like overflow and SOAR and abundance, like we're ready. We're ready for elevation. We're ready for God to take us to a new level. So I remember walking into 2021 knowing that that was my word for the year. And saying, okay, I'm ready to do the series at the beginning of the year because I know God is about to soar and everything's about to take off and everything that I've been waiting for is about to be elevated. And I got a no, like it's not going to be the series you do now. And so I was like, okay. So I was like, after I finished that series, I was like, okay, now it's going to be sore. No, it's still not sore. And I was like, and so that went on for about three seasons into the year, um, series into the year. And after a while, I just kind of put it down. I just kind of was like, well, I don't know when God wants me to talk about sort. So I just kind of left it. And then you start to evaluate your life as well. And I will, I'm not going to say that God hasn't blessed me. I do see signs in my life of things that have been elevated, things that I'm doing this year that I've never done before, opportunities that I have had the privilege to be a part of this year that I've never had the privilege to be a part of before. So I wouldn't say that I haven't seen any soaring or elevation at all. But if I'm going to be frankly honest, the area of my life that I have been praying for for the longest time, when I say um, there's no soaring, we're still on the runway. I don't know. We're not even walking up the steps to the plane to start the plane to soar in the plane. <laughs> like in that area, as it goes down to the end of 2021, the soaring in that area is ground level, ground level. Um, from what my eyes can see. And I was just like, okay, I thought my word was saw this year. And I was, I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying that I haven't seen any elevation in every areas of my life. There are things that I'm doing in my life that I've never done before this year. And I can see the trajectory going in a soaring manner in some areas of my life, but still this one area, it's the soaring guys is not happening. And so I, so Corel did not go back to the word sore because it was like, well, 2021, you know, like I said, I'm very grateful for what has happened, but my mind wouldn't brought sore back to me. So while I was doing the secret place, the Holy Spirit brought back to me the word sore and was saying, okay, now it's time to do the series sore. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't really feel like I saw it. So why am I? going into this series that is going to take me into the end of the next year. And I know some people, you know, you may be sitting there saying, you know, you have to believe that God can do things in, in a certain amount of time, which I agree and I believe and I come in agreement with everybody who's on the end of this podcast saying like, you don't know, it's only November. You don't know what God is going to do it. But what I'm saying to you um, is that I have been in those instances where I have said, God's going to do it by the end of 2014. Nope. God's going to do it. I know God's going to do it by the end of 2015. No. I, I, by the end of 2016, I know God is. So, so I'm, trust me, I'm not those people that don't believe that he can do it in a day. I have, I have fallen into depression as the clock strikes 12 to roll into a new year and say, really? I, I really said to myself that he could do it by the end of this year. So I'm not saying that that's not what he's going to do. I'm just saying I've been there. I've, I've been there, okay? Um, from 2014, I would say, I think 2014 was the first year that I thought. And from 2014 up until 12 o'clock, I have tried not to sink into depression at the end of whatever year it was because the thing that you were thinking did not happen. So all of that to say that 
as I was going on, I said, you know, I'm going to be obedient. If you said the series at the end of the year needs to be sore, the series at the end of the year is going to be sore. I'm going to believe for whatever God wants to do in this season or what Corel wants to do in this season. And I am going to walk ahead. Whatever God's meaning is for sore, I'm going to walk in obedience to your meaning of sore. And I said, okay, I just sat down and just asked God, like, what were the areas that he wanted me to talk about? So for this first, this first episode in the series store, I was given the word, believe it, believe it before you see it, believe it before you see it, believe it before you see it. And as I was preparing for this episode, I'm just going to tell you all straight up, I'm not even going to try and just release all of the words and all of the things that the Holy Spirit has given to me for this episode. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a part two. I'm going to tell you right now, as I was preparing for this, I was like, God, this is, woo, these are too many points for just one. This is going to be, there's going to be a part one and a part two. And so if you are, if you've been there, if you, if you can relate to God's going to do it before the end of the year and the end of the year rolled in and you sunk into a, a place of depression, if you have believed, been believing for something, but I mean, you feel like I'm not even on the runway, like I'm not even walking up the stairs to the plane, you need to listen to this. If you are just really in need of encouragement because you have heard so many prophetic words and just want to have an understanding of what God is doing in your life, I definitely want to want to tell you to clue into this episode, but also take the copy link and share it with a friend. Whether you have to screenshot and say, girl, I don't know how you find your podcast, screenshot, said, picture, and this is what you need to listen to. But if you know someone who's in need of listening to an episode where it's called sore, believe it before you see it. I definitely, definitely want to strongly encourage you to share, share it on your Facebook, share it in your WhatsApp group, share it with other people so that they can believe God in this season for what he wants to do in their life. So for me, when I think about something that I had to believe for before I saw it, I go back to Miss Grand Bahama. And I remember it was 2007, the first time that I was exposed to pageantry in a way that gripped my spirit. I was exposed to pageantry all growing up. I just thought it was a superficial, stupid thing that I went to support cousins or church members at. Like, I just thought it was garbage and pointless. Like, but I would go and just be like, so dumb. But way to go, girl. You did good, girl. You came second in that cute dress. I just thought it was garbage. So in 2007 was the first time I was exposed to it and something about it gripped my spirit. So I was sent to vote for somebody who was in a pageant and I realized that they had videos. And most times when I go to pageant, either it's some cliche womp womp answer at the end, but I never saw beauty queens engage in active dialogue where they were eloquent and they were just very meaningful conversations and it came from the heart and they were relatable. And so this pageant organization, Miss Bahamas, I stumbled upon the page and that is what I saw. Like when I went to go vote the girls, I watched all of their videos. They were so insightful. I looked at their photos and they were having meetings with Miles Monroe and all of these things. And I've told this story before. And so I was just so intrigued of they're going out doing community service. And it was very similar to a program, a mentorship program that I was in when I was in high school that was focused on having leaders in the community come to speak to you every week and grooming and helping you to be a leader and helping you to be progressive and helping you to understand who you are, helping you to have a voice in the community. And that is what I saw from these women that were a part of this Miss Bahamas organization. And so I was like, I want to do that. I want to be like that girl. And then when I saw the girl, I followed up a little after I went to vote for the person. I saw one of the girls, I was like, okay, she's not super tall. She was pretty, but she wasn't super tall. Um, She was a very great speaker, very engaging. And I was like, she would never win. Like this tall girl who kind of has the the look is going to win. And that tall girl who had the look came first runner up. But the girl who's very well spoken, very genuine, she won. And I was like, oh my God. I have to be a part of an organization that recognizes the entire person, the beauty about the entire person. Uh, But I had never done a pageant before, nor did I think they made any sense. Plus, at the time, I was 180 pounds. And so I was like, I would have to lose like 50 pounds plus. Um, I'd never been in a pageant. I've never studied them. And even though there's a lot of aspects that I was grouped in terms of speaking and being involved in the community and being purpose-driven. There was a lot of the other sides that are still involved in pageantry that involves wearing a swimsuit, that involves knowing how to walk in heels, that involves wearing a gown, that involves being always put together, that involves putting on makeup. 
all of these things that I never did. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And I did. And I, I just felt like this was something that God had for me. All of the odds were against me. It didn't seem like something like I felt like the least likely candidate. And I had people tell me that like, why are you going to do it? I was like a drag slipper, never wear makeup, throw myself around, do whatever, just kind of like a whatever move along person, like, you know, and I'm slipped back into that in some ways. Um, and so it was just very, the least likely candidate. Like I said, I thought they were superficial, idiotic things. So it was just an entire grooming process. And that is why I decided to do the Miss Grand Bahama pageant before I went into the Miss Bahamas pageant, because I knew I need grooming. Plus the Miss Bahamas, Miss Grand Bahama pageant had months of preparation and then they would fund everything I needed to go into Miss Bahamas. So I started a preparation. I found out about that girl like July. I started my preparation for Miss Grand Bahama like September and the pageant was February and I needed all of those months, all of those months I needed. And so what I did was I prepared for all of those months and in February of 2008, February 3rd, a dream came true. And I was believing for it. I was preparing for it. And I saw that crown going on my head. I remember my aunts who were preparing me for the pageant. They were like, you're going to wear blue because the crown is going to have blue in it. And all of these things. And it just, it just lined up. And I remember like my face and I was like, and there was this girl who was the typical beauty queen. She looks the part of the Bahamian standard beauty. We all know what the Bahamian standard beauty is. So she was tall with the Bahamian standard beauty. And she had been in pageants and wanted to be Miss Bahamas for all the years of her life and always thing up. And she came first run up and I won. And it was like to her, her supporters, they were so upset, but it was just, it was something that God had for me. And it was a clear win that, you know, I delivered in the judges interview. I delivered on stage and I walked away and it was just like, ah! and I was on cloud nine, 10 until June of that year until June of that year. And not only, I remember after I went on, won the pageant, like a week later, I was like, oh, I'm ready to date. I want to date somebody. So one of my friends introduced me to somebody that didn't work out. But shortly after that, I started to date someone too. So by the time uh, Miss Bahamas came, I was in a relationship. I had the title. I was like on cloud 20. I was just like, I am competing like a year ago. I was sitting at my computer watching all of these women. And then now I'm sitting in the room with Miles Monroe and hearing him speak about purpose and what, you know, who we are and how we should be going after our dreams. I'm in the room sitting with, you know, different senators and, and I'm out in the field going to explore different historical Bahamian sites. Like I'm doing it. I'm living the dream. I saw all of it. Like when I sat in that computer a year before I was doing, I was doing a summer course at Barry University for my master's. And I remember looking at that website and just being exposed to like, oh, I could see it. And a year later, a year later, I was living it. I was living it. I was dating someone. I was pursuing, um, doing Miss Bahamas. And I was doing all the things that I saw the girls do on the websites. And I was doing my interview where I was talking about my purpose and all of the things that I feel, you know, that God has called me to do. And I was, I was living the dream. And the night for the winner came. And I remember some way in between there, the young lady who was, the young lady who was given the uh, first runoff position, she was allowed to enter Miss Bahamas. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know if you enter Miss Florida, you go to Miss USA. You can't be first runoff in Miss Florida and go to Miss USA. I know, but in the Bahamas, they don't have a lot of people who want to enter. So they allowed it to happen. And I remember my director wanting to pull me out. And I was like, no, like all, my whole vision that I saw on the screen was me sitting in the meeting with Miles Monroe, me going to the historical sites, me preparing my beauty for what a purpose. What are you talking about? And now, and I was on an all expense paid journey as well. So obviously she didn't have that opportunity. I think she just decided to move to Nassau. I don't know if she was working or whatever. So she didn't have that opportunity, but I was, I was, I had flights to Nassau every weekend that I did not pay for. I had a wardrobe. I had everything that was catered to me. So I was just like, even though they allowed her to enter, which is very confusing to me, I'm going to still go on. Anyway, long story short, the night comes and I don't even make the top five. I don't even make the top five. I was just embarrassed. What's even worse is not only does she make the top five, the girl who was my first run up in February of that same year, she wins the crown. When I say embarrassed, when I say humiliated, when I say broken, this wasn't, this wasn't what I saw in the vision. No, 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 no. When I was believing for it, <laughs> I didn't see this part. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I didn't see this part. I saw 
sitting in these meetings, being on these platforms, flying, being flown to Nassau every weekend, having this opportunity, being on stage, doing the videos. And yes, I experienced every last bit of that vision that I feel that God gave me the year before. I experienced it. I remember the night of winning with Crown Bahama. I experienced it. And on top of that, I had a man. I was like on cloud 10, like, he had sent me like this wonderful handwritten card the night before, like so proud of you, just watching everything you've done. Awesome job. Can't wait to see you with your crown on when you win. I was like, confirmation, got this me doing it. Got this me doing it. Yeah, didn't make top five. And the lady who was first runner up won. Make it make sense, Jesus. Make, make it make sense. Make it make sense. And so I was so hurt. I was so hurt, but I was like, God, what you be doing? I was so hurt. I was so hurt like this. I had a vision and this was not a part of the vision. I believed for it and brought it to pass. And this wasn't a part of the vision. And I sunk into depression. I want you to know that the vision still happened. I want you to know that I was still a title holder. I was sitting in the middle of the thing that I had believed for yet I was depressed. I was sitting in the thing that I had believed for, yet I was depressed. So as I was preparing for today's episode, I said, God, there are many visions that I feel that you have promised to me, whether I, they have been revealed to me when I go in my secret place, whether they have been prophesied to me, whether they're a strong desire that... I just won't go away. So because I've had other desires that have left. And so because this desire won't go away, I'm believing that this is what you have for me. But it can't be it. That that can't be the pinnacle of what I'm believing for. When I say believe it before you see it, it can't just be a name it and claim it. Because when I tell you I believed for the title, I believed for the Miss Bahamas experience. And when I told you I got it. But as soon as the Miss Bahama title and the Miss Bahamas experience took a turn left from what I wanted it to look like, I went into depression. So was I really believing God for the vision that he wanted or was I asking God to be a genie and just continue to fill my life with things that I want, regardless of what he's trying to do in my life? So one of the things I wanted to caution us about is when we're believing God for a vision. We have to be conscious that I'm not believing God for a vision solely. I'm believing God in that vision. I'm believing God to increase my capacity to love. And that is the only thing you remember from this episode. That's the thing that I want you to write down. That's the thing that I want you to make a mental note of. Because if we go into a format of, oh, I wrote the vision down. Oh, I did my vision board and this is what God said he was bringing to me. Oh, I'm believing for this and I know that God is going to do it for me. Oh, I'm just waiting on what I, what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is that you're asking and believing because I act God. I said, it's, I go and step into this of believing it before I see it. And I am there, I am there believing before I see it, but it has to be more than just the promise because I had the promise come true. I've had the promise come true. And the minute it went the way it went a little more left than I thought it was supposed to go, I sank into depression. So it has to be more that you are calling me to do in this moment because God doesn't want us to start craving and longing the promise. He does not want us to start craving and longing for the promise. And so therefore what we have to ask God is that you increase my capacity to love as I walk into the vision that you have called for me. Increase my capacity to love because if I had allowed God to increase my capacity of love when I was met with not top 10, with not top five, and I went into depression and I went into feeling ashamed, then I would have remembered that God loves me. And I would remember that I love God. And 
1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 said, love is patient. So I would have been patient when I said, God, I don't understand why I was brought to this shameful place, but I'm going to be patient. Love is kind. I would not have started to be so unruly to everybody. It does not envy. I would have not been jealous of this young lady who now had all of the opportunities that I also dreamed about. Because it was not only sitting in those meetings, but it's having the opportunity to go to New York and take photos with Fidel, I can't even remember his name, was a famous photographer at that time, and going to Puerto Rico for two weeks for training and going to South Africa to participate in Miss World. And all of those parts of the journey that I believed for and I saw myself doing were not about to happen. And I couldn't be envious because if I was loving God, then I wasn't envious. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It was about me. When God said, I am doing something this evening. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because you're not giving me what I want. What I want is this. And when we're practicing love, then it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Whoo, your girl was angry. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts. In that moment, I did not trust God. I was, I was devastated, depressed. Um, it always hopes, always preserves. Always hopes, always preserves. And so we have to ask God to increase my capacity of love, because if I don't ask God to increase my capacity of love, chances are the thing that I'm believing for, I will never see it. If, I, if my capacity for love has, has not increased to a point where I'm trusting God, where I'm believing God, where I'm hoping in God, where I'm not giving up, when I'm being patient, then I will never see it. The result, the Israelites. There are some Israelites that never entered the promised land because their capacity for love, of being patient, of being trusting, it didn't increase to where it needed to be. And so therefore it could not, it could not walk into the promise that God has for it. Or, or I will go to the promised land. I will see the thing that I have, but I will not be able to enjoy it. I walked into the promised land. I was Miss Grand Bahama. I held the title. I was flown to Nassau every week for free. And I couldn't shake the depression the minute the minute things didn't go the way that I wanted to. And some Israelites entered the promised land. And, and when they entered the promised land, after a few years, some of them decided to disobey God and serve other gods because the other gods promised well. So it wasn't that they weren't worshiping God, but it's like these other people seem like they're also getting blessings in order to get my blessings over here. I'm going to worship their idols. And then after that, then to one, I'm not enjoying it because I'm not trusting God to be my sole provider. I'm not trusting him to be my sole provider. And then I go through times of punishment because I didn't trust God to be my sole provider. So I'm not enjoying this season because I made it about envying what other people have. And so either I will never see it or I won't be able to enjoy it. I will be. So when you ask God that I want to believe it before I see it, more than I want to believe the vision that I believe I've been given, I want to believe and I want to hope and I want to work on and I want to make first priority that you increase my capacity to love. Because if I do not allow God to increase my capacity to love, either I will never see what I'm believing God for or I will see it and I will not be able to enjoy it because I have changed my craving into that thing instead of craving and the longing for God and what God wants to do. When I trust what God wants to do, then he will bring it to pass. When I trust what God wants to do, he will bring it to pass. And so one of the stories that God brought to me when I was meditating on this was the story of Gideon. And for a short version for those who don't know the story of Gideon, as I told you, that as the Israelites entered into the promised land and they were into the promised land and there were years of having kings. And then there were years of also not only having kings, there was years of having judges. And during this season of having judges, they were going back and forth of sometimes they will serve God and sometimes they will serve the gods of the people that were around them. So after a while, they were serving the gods of the people around them and God got upset. And so they were under the Midianites for seven years, under oppression for seven years. And so at that time, they're wondering like, why am I under this oppression? And God was saying like, you you didn't, you didn't do what I told you to do. And so now that's why you're here in the state. You didn't follow what I told you to do. And so in that season, God came to Gideon and told him that you will set the Israelites free. You are going to defeat the enemies that are coming against the Israelites. And Gideon was like, who, me? I'm so weak. I'm the weakest in my family. I can't do that. You, you giving me this vision? I can't do that. No boy. I, I'm not strong enough. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe I can actually do that thing. And God was like, no, I called you to do it and so Gideon offered a sacrifice 
And after that, um, the people wanted to kill him because one of the sacrifices was that he tore down the gods of the other people. Everybody wanted to kill him and they were like, no, let Baal defend himself. So that's how the father, his father didn't allow him to be killed. And so after that, Gideon was like, I need proof. I need you to go and show me that this is actually going to happen. And he went um, and God gave him proof that it's actually, he gave him the sign that he was asking for to show him, no, I've called you and I will give you victory. And so he, got, he gathered all of his men and he gathered all of these men and God kept telling him to cut the men down. It's too much. It's too many people. It's too many people. It's too many people. And he had to keep cutting it down. It went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300 people. It's like, how I'm going to be, how I'm going to be able to defeat 120,000 people with 300 people. But God was like, you got to know it's me. And so they went out and he defeated the other army. The army just kind of turned against themselves because God did something in the line. And, and then Gideon, those continued to kill the leaders of the enemies and they had victory. They, he believed God, he did what God instructed him to do and he saw victory. And so how does the story of Gideon help us to understand that the visions that I see for my life, the visions that you see for your life, that you have to believe it before you see it. Because Gideon had to believe that God was gonna give him victory way before he saw it. And so I wanna walk you through four points today in part two, we're going to walk you through four other points of how you can believe God before you see it. So there's a vision in your mind and I'm going to share my vision with you guys. And so a vision that I have for my life is that, that God would give me a family that, and he would allow my family to be a ministry and that he will use us in the earth to tell others about God and to show God's love. Um, and that's including having a husband and having children. I believe that that is what God has for me. I also believe a vision for my life is God has anointed me and gifted me with the ability to write, to write TV shows, to write movies that people will be able to see all of the world that will give them inspiration and that will have a message lined with faith. I do believe that God wants me to also write books that will be very impactful and that they go to a level where it spreads to, to many nations, whether that's as a New York Times bestseller or just however he wants to let it propel in New York. And all of these are great things. And all of these are things that I can see will help to impact other people. But I could, I could decide to make them very selfish goals. And so, you know, I have to always surrender and say, God, if I, I'm wanting it because it's a selfish desire or I just want to be puffed up, then, then check my heart, Lord. Check my heart, Lord. But, you know, one of the things that I said earlier that needs to be, that's why I was like, God, this just can't be it. This just can't be it because this isn't going to fulfill me. And how I know that is because I've experienced walking into a promise. So what I have to ask and what you have to ask as you sit down and you look at the visions or you feel the visions that God has given you is God increase my capacity to love. We have to say, God, if I feel called to do this, I need you to increase my capacity to love. The reason why we have to allow God to increase our capacity of love is because we have to trust how he wants it to manifest in our life. I can't say that, God, I want a husband. And God forbid he gets in an accident a month into us being married. And then I'm like, nope, don't want no husband no more because now I'm a caretaker for the rest of my life. God said, do you want a union that's going to give me glory? And I, I pray that that's not what the result is, that that happens. But it could. Or you give children that have special needs and then you're tending to your children 24-7 a day. Or that he gives you you know, the opportunity to write for books and write different things, but you're constantly being chastised because people are opposing the message that you're trying to put forth and they're persecuting you for the message that you're putting in shows and you're putting in movies or you're being blackballed or you're making no money from this experience, but you are, a lot, but it is affecting millions of people all over the world. You're writing books, but you went through a publishing deal where you were gypped, but the books went far, but you got the short end of the stick. God is saying, are you going to allow me to manifest the vision the way that I am doing it? And the only way that we can enjoy the manifestation of the thing that we're believing for is that if our capacity for love grows, because when my capacity for love grows, I am not asking God to bring the vision forth because I am depending on the vision to fuel me. I am asking him to bring it forth because I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be boastful. And I'm going to trust when he takes it the next way. Because as you see with the Mr. Bahamas journey, he brought a lot of the things that I saw to pass. But he also pulled some things out of the woodworks that I was like, that's not what I signed up for. 
I'm not, I, I'm not even in top five. I'm not the winner. All of this. I remember watching the photos of the girl when she went to Puerto Rico for two weeks and tried on clothes with fashion designers. And I'm like, that about to be me. I watched, and at this time I had never been to South Africa. I had never been to New York. I had never, I was just like, and I saw it. I saw all the things. I was like, no, that's not a part of my plan. That's that's not no, that's not, I'm not, I didn't give you that vision. No, you have parts of the vision, parts of the vision you saw, and that's why our capacity needs to grow because we write down these visions, but we want it to play out the way that we want it to play out. And so we have to know, we have to know that I have to believe it before I see it. And we have to follow just how Gideon followed the steps of God. And so why you have to, why I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to have the right motives. I want you to know that your capacity for love has to increase. But the first thing that I want you to know, the first thing that I want you to know is you will hear it before you see it. You will hear it before you see it. The reason why it's kind of hard to believe before I see it is because you will hear it before you see it. You will hear it before you see it. The, the word says Romans 10 and 17. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. So you will hear what God wants to do in your life, whether you hear it in your spirit, whether you hear it through prophetic word, whether you hear it when you're reading the word of God, you will hear it before you see it. But you have to have faith. So faith comes from hearing. So you have to continue. So if you're like, I no longer believe faith is, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things not seen. So I can't have faith. There's no faith if I don't see it. And so right now, if you're in a season like me where you're like, oh my God, I don't see me soaring nowhere. That's because I'm building your faith. I'm like, how long are you going to build my faith? You're going to build it. It said that the Israelites were under captivity for seven years. At this point, I mean, they did in 40 years in the wilderness. At this point, when he came to Gideon, they had been under persecution from the Mennonites for seven years when he came to Gideon. So all of that time, I am using that time to shape and build your character. So you will hear it before you see it. So what that means is while I'm in that seven years and some seasons of things that I've been waiting on, um, it's been 10 years. And so how do you, how do you endure that painful time? Because it's painful. It's painful to hear something before I see it. It's painful to stay in the word of God and trust the word of God when I'm not seeing come to pass. I have had prophetic words. I have had words that I feel have been, you know, spoken to me personally. I had a desire that I'm like, God, if this is not a desire from you, if this is not you having this desire, then move it from me. Like I've had, and it's painful. It's painful to receive a prophetic word over and over. And you'd be like, I don't see it. Like I don't, that, that's painful. And so when the angel of God came to Gideon and said, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you valiant warrior. Gideon was like, okay, first of all, we've been oppressed for the last seven years. Okay. Okay. First of all, we've been oppressed for the last seven years. Um, the Lord is with me. So where you've been for the last seven years. And that, this is literally, you could hear the pain coming out of Gideon. So Gideon said, please, my Lord, like, uh, excuse me, if this may come off a little bad, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where have all the wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. Facts. Facts. I was like, God, God, sore. Really? It's November. It's almost the end of November. I've seen some things that I'm grateful. Thank you for that. But Lord, you know, in certain areas, in no soaring been happening. It ain't been happening for the last 10 years. Oh, how am I soaring? How are you with me? How am I trusting you? It's painful. These prophetic words just keep coming, but I don't know. I don't see any manifestation. Nothing. I don't see a glimpse. I don't see a pebble. I don't see anything. I don't see a grain of sand. All right. How, Jesus? How? How? And God's like, I need you to trust me because, again, remember I said you're increasing your capacity. So when I'm in, because we're increasing our capacity of love, you will hear it before you see it. In order to deal with the pain of hearing it before I see it, the pain, the growing pains of growing that faith is you have to be patient. You have to be patient. Love is patient. So God is increasing your capacity 
by increasing your ability to be patient. And if I am not patient, then I will not sit still enough to hear the promise and the solution. My friend, Lachelle, she has this group on Facebook and she just added me this morning. And so, you know, the first time when somebody adds you to a group, I'm like, what's this group about? Like you can send me a personal message letting me know you're adding me to this group. It says something about prophetic words. And I was just like, okay, what is this? So I was scrolling through the group and she had a message, she had several messages in the group, but this was one of the messages. It was talking about Joseph. Um, and it was saying that God not only gave Joseph the promise of this is what the dream meant, but he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Like, this is what the dream meant. So this is the promise. This is the vision. This is the prophetic word of what the dream meant. He also gave him the solution of how to walk out that prophetic word. When I heard that, the Holy Spirit said this to me. So she said, you have to be, you have to sit in the group. She was saying that you have to sit in a position to not only hear the prophetic word, but also be like Joseph and hear the solution. And so what I'm saying to you, the reason why God needs to increase our capacity of love when we go through those painful times of waiting for so long, like I tell you, I've been on some journeys for 10 years and waiting for so long is that you have to be patient enough to endure the growing pains of growing your faith to endure of hearing the prophetic words, but also to hear the solution, the instruction, the strategy of what God is telling you to do of how to walk it out. You have to be still enough to hear the solution as well. And so that is why your capacity has to increase because if you're not patient, you're not waiting to hear the solution. And that's why so many of us tend to be frustrated. We've heard the prophetic word and I'm like, okay, bring it to pass, bring it to pass. And God is like, I need to give you the strategy. I need to give you the solution. And that is exactly what he gave Gideon. As soon as Gideon stopped, as soon as Gideon stopped taking the time to say, oh gosh, I'm not, I'm not able, I'm not able to do it. I'm not able to do it. Um, because one of the solutions, one of the strategies that he gave Gideon was, I need you to tear down Baal. The altar y'all been serving for the last seven years. See, also doing, also doing mess. I need you to tear it down. On that very night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and second bull, seven years old, tear it down, tear down the veil that belongs to your father. You have to be willing to hear the instruction. Now, if you're like me, <laughs> if you're like me and you're waiting on a promise, you're like, oh no, I, I, I tore down, I tore down, I tore down, I, 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 I walked away, I tore down, I removed, you know, anytime I heard God tell me, remove those stuff, but I want you to know, as you go on in the story of Gideon, there are many, 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 many more instructions and strategy and solution that God gives him. This is the first. The first is to tear down Baal. The first is to stop. And so when God was like, I was like, God, no, but I, I walked away like 10 years ago of all of those things I have been I have been doing everything uh, to walk away from the, the sinful things that I knowingly had in my life and we sin every day. But I mean, the things that God is saying, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with that. You need to move that. You need to deal with that. I'm like, God, I, I did it. I, I removed. And a lot of those things that we move very quickly are the things that are externally keeping us bound. But one of the things that takes us captive a lot is the things that are internally keeping us bound. And the things that are internally keeping us bound is our capacity to love, our capacity to be patient, our capacity not to be selfish, our capacity not to make it about us. And so when God is trying to increase your patience, you have to remember that I will hear it before I see it. The reason it's so hard for you to believe before you see it is because he's increasing your capacity for patience and you do not want to allow him to increase that. And that is what God is saying to me. He said, if I'm going to bring it, I, want, I do want you to see it. And when you see it, I want you to enjoy it. Enjoy, E-N-J-O-Y, can also be interpreted as I want you to have joy in it. Enjoy. I want, me, I want you to have joy in it. Enjoy. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have joy in it. Okay, so you have to be patient. The second thing is, the second thing is God is going to use your weakness. You may be saying, I like, God, I am like the least likely candidate. I gave you some of my visions and I told you like one of the visions that I feel like God has for me that I'm believing for is for a family. Friends, I'm 36. And I, I've said this on the podcast before that the, before this year, I don't think the, I think because they tell you at 35, you're now risk. I think at 30, once I passed the threshold of 35, my yearning for kids went up like a hundred. It never, I don't think it's ever been this strong. Like you're crying at different moments because you don't experience that 
that journey of motherhood. And so you're like, I'm now like one of the least likely, like, and then in 2019, I think that the children also got really hyper because my brother passed away in 2019 and my sister had to have surgery that made it impossible for her to have children. And so you are the only person that will continue the legacy and lineage of this family unit. You are. Your brother passed away and your sister had a surgery in the same year that made it now impossible for her to have children. So now it's on you and you're 36 and there's not a pebble in sight. Um, so again, I feel the weakness. When I think about writing TV shows and writing films, I think about Issa Rae and I, I, I put on the status where we started doing the Easy Love this year, which is, has been a glimpse of what God is trying to do. I put on my status this year, we're pulling an Issa Rae. Well, Issa Rae pulled that in 2012. Like I can't, I can't, sometimes I have to really ignore and really cast down the enemy in my ear. Like Issa did that in 2012, it's 2021, it's almost, it's nine years after Issa did that. And Issa and I are the same age. Issa and I are the same age. It's like, she just finished a successful show on Insecure. And that's way after she did her first YouTube video. And you're trying to say at 36, you put your YouTube video on, girl, sit down. Girl, sit down. And you're from the Bahamas. So who gonna watch that? Like, who gonna watch it? You're from the Bahamas. Like, it's like that in your ear all the time. Like, you know, how many people videos go viral? I mean, sometimes people videos get 20,000 views and they still are still sitting on the same rock as you. So like, what do you think this is? Like, what do you, what do you think you about to do? And it's just like that, voice in your head like you are the least likely candidate like where you are from like your population isn't more than 300,000 and you think you're gonna get this amount of people to watch it so that like like you just like it's not it's not gonna happen and so you have that discouraging word in your ear you have that discouraging word in your ear but you know what it doesn't have to happen the same way it happened for her and it probably won't it probably won't happen the same way but it doesn't ignore the fact that there are certain steps that God has me taking right now and so when you say that I am the weakest in your family, you have to continue to hope. And I did an episode the other day when I said, your hope is not the thing that you're waiting for. You see, if my hope is in that thing, you'll be like me with Miss Grand Bahama. My hope was in winning Miss Grand Bahama and winning Miss Bahamas. So the minute that I didn't win Miss Bahamas, then your hope is gone. But my hope has to be in God. My hope has to be in God that he is directing my path, that he is doing it. Because again, because again, I told God, when I started this episode, believe it before you see it, it has to be more than the vision that I'm believing for. And God is saying, I'm building your capacity to love. So if you focus on increasing your capacity to love me, then you will be able to see it and you will be able to enjoy it when you see it. Because you're always hoping, even when it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. You're always hoping, even when it doesn't go the way that you thought it go. And God, so it's God's like, focus on loving me more. I talk about purpose a lot. And our purpose on earth is to bring glory to God. Our purpose on earth is to bring glory to God, period. And so therefore, the visions that I have shown you, it's not because I am trying to bring this to you so you could swag and you could swerve and you could say, oh, yes, I did. I get it. I got back. I got the children. I got the TV. I got the movie. Deal. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It's going it to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't let your hustle take you somewhere that your character can't keep you. Don't let your hustle take you somewhere your character can't keep you. You keep fighting for that light. As Priscilla Shire said, that light will burn you as a Chris. That light will burn you like a Chris if you do not get your character in order. So God is saying, work that internal, work that internal. Stop focusing on that external. When you focus on the external, we're focusing on the happiness. So I said, God, as I prepare for this episode, I'm believing before I see it, but it's more than believing for it. God said, I, my goal is to increase your capacity to love. These things that I'm going to bring into your life are byproducts. The, the goal, the goal is for you to bring glory to me. The goal is for you to increase your capacity to love me. And so as you go through the part of the time and you're saying, I'm the weakest, it's like, like Gideon said, how can I go and fight this army? How can I go and do this? How can I, I'm the weakest in my family. I'm not the person who can do this. And he said, the Lord said, you, you will go down and you will do it. You will do it. You will strike. You will go down and you will do it. You will go down and you will do it. You know why? Because then I will get the credit. See, when we want credit, yeah, I knew God was going to, like, no, like, if I have a child now, it's, it's God. It's God. God did that. God did that. I'm over the year of caution. Like, and some people say, oh, yeah, people have children. I'm 35 all the time. It's true. It's true. But God did that. God did that. He did it before, but God's like, for some of us, I think that there are some people that God can like give them all the blessings and they will still know that my well comes from God. But for some of us, and I know, I know why God had to take me to this journey. I know 
that God needed me to increase my capacity for love because if he had given me everything that I wanted in my 20s, my capacity for love would not be there. My capacity to trust would not be there and I would not be able to enjoy it because I would be depending on the promises to bring me happiness. And when the promises did not bring me happiness, I would sink into depression like I did with the Bahama. And so God says, I have to take you through this season, just how he had to take the Israelites through those seven years and then 40 years and all of those other years that they went through oppression and pain. God says, for some of us, I have to take you through that because I need you. I want you to enjoy the process of the promises that I'm bringing to you. But you won't enjoy the promises if you don't realize that it's more about increasing your capacity to love than these things that I'm trying to give you. It's not about the gift. It's a gift. But I, having that relationship with me, loving me, that's where your fulfillment comes from. So the first one was, you will hear it before you see it. So you need to believe for it because you're going to hear it before you see it. The second one, but while you're believing, it's because what he's growing in you is your patience. The second one is God is going to use your weakness. You may be the least likely candidate, but you're always going to hope. You're always going to hope, but your hope is going to be in Christ and what he does. Because the minute it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to go, because it will, because <laughs> it will, then you know, you know what? I have a hope in God. I have hope in God. He gets credit for all of this. I have a hope in God. The third one is you are required to sow and serve. You are required to sow and serve into what you're believing. Remember I told you that he, God gave Gideon the instruction that you have to take your father's young bull and second bull, seven years old. Look at the time. Look at the time. My Jesus. Seven years old. They were being oppressed by the Mennonites for seven years, seven years old. Take that of seven years old. So I, it's, it's always, the promise has been there from the beginning. There's something that God has done in the beginning of your journey of building your char character and building your ability to, to increase your love. And he says, I need you to go and I need you to offer that. I need you to offer that. And you may say, you calling me and now I got to set, like the first thing that I have to do before victory is sacrifice, I had to give something up. I got to sow and serve. Yeah. I got to see where your heart is. See, the whole point of sowing and serving into what you're believing for is can you sacrifice everything that you're currently holding to trust me to give you victory in other areas? God has, God's like, I need to know that you're in this. Are you in this? Are you, are, are you really in this? Are you, are you just like, well, I'll see what you can do. Because what happens why we don't like to sacrifice is because I don't see nobody else sacrificing. I'm already going through struggle. Jesus, why, why I got to sacrifice? Like, I don't, God's like, I am building that love in you that's not envious of others. That's not going to look at others that don't seem to be sacrificing. Why I got to be the one to sacrifice? Because there's something I've called you to do and you may not see it today. Like Gideon had to sacrifice to the point where the people were ready to come out there and kill him. It's like, because again, serving Baal meant to them that they would be prosperous in the land. And so economic, it's economic wealth. And so therefore I am doing this so I can be economically wealthy. So not only are you doing away with your economic wealth, Gideon, and your family's wealth, you messing with ours because you move in Baal and that's what we believe is going to bring us wealth. So we're going to kill you now. So why are you making me do this? Why are you making me do all these sacrifices? But God is saying, I need to know you're all in it. I need to know where your cards are at. And so you are going to be called to sow and serve into, I was watching a, the series by Pastor Mike Todd, it's called Crazy Faith. And he was talking about that for the last two weekends, that you got to sow and serve into what you're believing God for. You have to sow and serve what you're believing God for. And I have seen that come to pass. I have seen that come to pass. The reason I take on easy love, I keep telling people it's like Sarah's wedding. I sowed into the ground for Sarah's wedding. We did not make a dime. Everybody volunteered their time because we were sowing into something that God was about to do. And everything after that was prosperous because we sowed into it. When I walked into easy love, I am sowing into that ground. I am sowing. I am giving freely into that ground. I'm sowing into and I'm serving into that ground because I believe that that is something that God has required me to do. And so I can be envious. And we talked about it last week when we've seen other people's prayers manifest and come to pass. And you're like, 
Jesus, I done sow into this person financially. And so this person was an encouraging word. I didn't sow and sacrifice. But Lord, I'm still not soaring. I see this person soaring, but I'm still not soaring. I am pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And yet I am not soaring. But God said, because I'm building the capacity into you to love. And it's called love does not envy. The capacity that I'm building in you is that you're not going to envy anybody else. You're not going to envy anybody else. You're not going to wish to be somebody else. And so in order for you to not wish to be anybody else, I'll never forget it. I hardly went to Bible study when I was growing up. And either I had just moved home or I was in high school. And for some reason, I never forgot that word. The guy said, he said, be careful when you ask God for patience. He said, the reason why is God is not going to give you that calming feeling right away that you're able to deal with the situations. When you ask God for patience, he's going to send you something that is going to force you to learn how to be patient. He's going to send you something that's going to force you to learn how to be patient. So if God is calling us to increase our capacity to love, you have to hear this. God wants us to bring glory to him. And so when we make it about, I believe it for this thing to manifest, God's like, no, boo-boo, I'm trying to increase your capacity to love. And so therefore, I'm going to put you in positions where your natural flesh is going to want to envy the person that is propelling to where you think you should be propelling. And I'm going to have, to have to allow you and what you're going to, the work you're going to have to do is to not be envious of that person. That's, that's what you're going to have to do. I got to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice. I got to stow. I got to stow. I got to serve. I got to serve. Someone who I feel is doing better than me. Yeah. Someone who I feel prayers are getting answered and mine's not getting answered. Right. Because what I'm building is your capacity not to be envious. So the way I build your capacity not to be envious is I put you in a situation that will tempt your flesh to be envious. I will put you in a situation that will tempt your flesh to be envious and you will make the decision to choose to honor and serve and so rather than be jealous because now your capacity of love has increased. You are required to sow and serve into what God is asking you to believe for. Because again, for God, it's not about that byproduct of that blessing that he's bringing into your life. It's about increasing your capacity to love. And so you are asking God, I need to be patient. I want to hope in you. And I don't want to be envious of others. So the final one that I want to share with you today is that sometimes when we're going through a season and you're like, God, I believe it. I believe you said you were going to do this. But I need you to send a confirmation that I'm hearing it, that I'm hearing, that I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Because again, I only want what you want for me. And the reason why there are visions that I have shared with you earlier that I, is because I've received numerous prophetic words. I received not only from others, but prophetic words that I feel that God has planted in my spirit. I have prayed for God to purify my desires, to place his desires in me. And I've watched God place so many desires in me. There are so many things in my life. Never wanted to do a podcast. Never wanted to be an author never wanted to be a playwright, never wanted to do TV shows and films. So I know, I know that God can take the desires he has for your life and place them in your life. Because before 2013, friends, before 2007, friends, I never wanted to do a pageant. Like, where they do that at? I thought they were so dumb. So I have seen God take his desires and place them in your heart. I have seen it. I have seen it. But I truly believe the desires that I've had in my heart that God had not removed is because God says, I am going to use it the way that I need to use it. The way that I use Abraham and Sarah, the way that I use Joseph, the way that I use David, when there's a specific calling and anointing on your life that God wants to do. God says, you know what? I have to purify your heart to the capacity of the thing that I want to do in your life in that way. I have had desires that have been personal desires and God is saying, you've had this desire, but I need to purify that desire. And so purifying that desire is going to take a while. God didn't have to purify the desire to be an author. That's why the minute he said it, I just like, you need to get on board. I don't need to purify it. It's completely purified because you don't want to do it. So it's completely all me. 
you have to depend on me because there is no gumption in you to do it. However, when you had a desire, I have to make sure that desire is purified so that the purpose for that thing that I'm calling you to do, that it takes place that it takes place the way that God wants it to do. As I said, as you read through Judges 6 and 7, if, that's, if you want to study Gideon on your own, as you read through Judges 6 and 7, again, this wasn't something Gideon thought. Gideon was like, I'm not a, a mighty warrior. That was, that was God saying that you were a mighty warrior. But if you know that the motive or the desire came from God, then you're going to hear every single instruction, every single instruction you're going to wait for. Gideon confirmed with God a million times because again, this wasn't something I desired. This is the desire you placed inside of me. So I'm going to need to hear you foot and foot. But when you have a desire personally from your flesh, but it's still a desire that God has, it may take a much longer time than somebody else. And this is revelation. God is, this wasn't even in my prepared notes, but this is the revelation the Holy Spirit is giving me as I am talking to you now. And God is saying to me now, the reason, Corel, there are certain things that have taken a longer time because there are certain things in my life. I'm like, God, you do those quick. Like God does so, some things. God does those so quick. When I wrote my first play, I didn't know how it was. I didn't know what the next instruction was after writing my first play. Six months later, an opportunity came and God was like, this is it. This is the opportunity. Now move. They happen so quickly when it's a desire God placed inside of you. However, when your flesh originally desired something and God also wants that thing for you, I have to purify that desire because you are so tempted to move into your flesh because this was a desire of your flesh. And so it's going to take me a while to purify that desire. When Joseph had that vision, Joseph was like, and I think that's why I related to the story with Joseph so much. I think that's why when I saw that thing this morning, when it said that Joseph went through that whole time, but Joseph heard the, the dream and Joseph heard the promise and the prophecy, but the instruction at the same time. When Joseph got the prophecy as a young boy, when he had on the coat, he couldn't hear the instruction and God knew he couldn't hear the instruction. So there I have to take you through a journey of affliction because that is going to purify the desire. And so if you're like, I have been waiting for something for so long, I have believed for something for so long, yet I am still here and I've been asking God for confirmation. So you need that confirmation to, to help you, to encourage you on the way, but know that the reason you have to be patient is because God is purifying that desire. He's increasing your capacity to love him. He's increasing your capacity to bring glory to him. And so for me, I had in 2012, I, I think was the last time that I had sex. And so in 2013, I made a decision that I would be abstinent and I would no longer have sex until marriage. And so about 2016, I wanted to signify that covenant that I made with God with a ring that I wanted to give to my husband when we got married. I remember seeing this young lady, there was a video of when she got engaged. Now, I don't think I would do the, this part, but I do remember the significance of her taking off the purity ring of covenant that she had made to God, taking that off and putting on the engagement ring. Now she playing the purity ring. I don't know where she, but she was, I guess, so excited to be done with that part of her life. So she, I don't think I would fling it away, but my, my goal was to gift it to my, to my husband. And so in 2016, I bought it and I said, you know, so I finally bought the ring. Like I made the promise in 2013. I finally bought the ring. I had it engraved and everything. And I would always wear it on my wedding ring hand. And so 2016 came and it was a great vote of testimony because people would always ask me about it. There were some people who say you need to stop wearing it, but you know, it always sparked conversation for people to realize that I had made a covenant and a promise to God and that this was a gift that I wanted to give my husband on the way. I could not give my husband the gift of my virginity, but I did want to give my husband the gift of purity of taking these years of waiting. 2016 came, nothing. 2017 came, nothing. 2018 came, nothing. 2019 came, nothing. 2020 came, nothing. And I was watching this teaching in 2020 and the person, they had their opinion on purity rings and they were like, oh, all those ladies who wear purity rings, you're blocking your blessing. You're blocking what God has for you. That doesn't make any sense. Da, 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 da. And by this time, I think I was so frustrated with all of these years passing from 2012 of holding on to this. Not that I was at a point where I wanted to not keep it. Um, but I did not want to wear the ring anymore because I was like, maybe I am blocking my husband. And I heard 20 million prophetic words in 2020 that your husband was coming. And so I was like, you know what? I need to take this off. I need to take the ring off. Um, and so I took the ring off and after a while I could not find it. 
And so in the last few weeks, I had been saying like, oh my God, is it supposed to be my, it's my husband? What if my husband comes and I, and I, I don't have the ring to give them? I don't know what it is. So it, I had been looking at old pictures with like in the last six weeks. And I was just like, where's this ring? Like I had not seen this ring since 2020. Like that's the last time I wore it. And I could not find it. I could not find it. I could not find it. So there would be days where I would look for it. And then I was like, yes, I can't find it. So yesterday while I was preparing this podcast that's called Believe It Before You See It, that's in the series soar that I did not want to do because I'm like, God, now that is happening right now. I was sitting at my bed and I looked over and I saw the ring on the floor. I looked over and I saw the ring on the floor and I was like, what? So I think what happened was I have a headboard that kind of is like a shelf and a headboard. And so earlier this week, I opened the window and I hardly opened the window because I've been sleeping with AC on, but I opened the window to bring, you know, circulation in the room and the cup that had, it's a big, huge cup that has like a bunch of pens in it. It had fallen into my bed. And so I remember cleaning up everything off of my bed and putting it back into the cup, but that's all I saw. So I am assuming that the ring must have been in the cup and because it was on the floor with some, with one or two pens under my bed. And when God, it was like a confirmation because I'm reading about the story with Gideon asking for the sign of the fleece. I've been praying about for the longest that when my husband comes, I want to be able to give this to him as a gift. And I've been looking for it for the last six weeks. And there it is. I found my ring. And so I was so excited. And it was like a confirmation that God was giving me that. I still have this promise for you. I still have it for you, but it's going to be in my timeline. And so what I want to encourage you to know is that, that God hasn't forgotten about you. God wants you to believe it before you see it, but God did not design the vision to make you happy, but to glorify himself. The vision that God is giving you is not to make you happy. It's so that you can bring glory to God. The vision that God has given me for a family, for a husband, for children is not to make me happy. It's so that I can bring glory to God. The vision that God has given me to write TV shows and movies is not to make me happy. It's to bring glory to God. The vision that God has given me to be an author, that books spread all over the world is not to make me happy. It's to bring glory to God. And when I keep focusing on it to make me happy, that when I get it, either I won't ever see it or I won't be able to enjoy it. Because that's what happened when I was in Scrum Bahama. I wasn't able to enjoy it the minute it didn't go the way that I planned. But what I want to tell you is that even though there are things that happened that was like, whoa, I didn't see this. I didn't see me not going to New York. I didn't see me not going to Puerto Rico. But you know what I also didn't see that God brought during that year? I didn't see myself going to Colombia, which I did. My director got so upset that night that he was like, I'm sending you all over the world. So he sent me to China for a month. I had never been to China. He sent me to Colombia for two weeks where I was treated like royalty. There were so many other opportunities that I got during that year as Miss Crown Bahama opportunities. So I think that's when I got my first public platform. I think that's when people started to know my name. That's when I started to get um, a following in the community. A lot of people say, well, I put out a play and I didn't get a lot of people at my play. Well, it's because my name had been building in the community from 2008 and I wrote a play in 2014. That's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That's six years of building a name in a community and then putting on a play. So it's not so a new playwright where your name hasn't been known in the community and you're like, well, why did I get 100 people? But you got three nights sold out of 400 people because it didn't start that night when I wrote my first play. It started when my name started being built in the community in 2008 because I was Miss Grand Bahama and all of those things that God was propelling in my life I was just focusing on I want to go to Puerto Rico and I want to go to New York and I want to go to South Africa which I did go to years later in 2016 God's like I'm gonna do South Africa I'm gonna do an international pageant I'm gonna do international pageants I'm gonna do more than you could think of but you have to trust me that it might not look exact some of the things you saw in the vision may come to pass but are you open to things that that you didn't even think about and if my capacity is increased in love if I'm doing it to bring glory to God then it doesn't matter the way that God brings me the family. It doesn't matter the way that God brings me the opportunity to write on TV shows and movies. It doesn't matter as long as it's his way. It's his way. I can't be adamant of having my way. And that was something I learned recently. And I don't remember if I shared it on the podcast, but God had been saying that over and over when it comes to love, love does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. And that's why when there's something that the flesh desires, but something God always also desires, it has to go through a season of purification. And so if you're like, I've been waiting for this for so long, it's probably because your flesh desired it and God desired it, but he needs to purify that desire. So like Joseph, you have to be taken through a long route. 
You have to be taken through affliction so that the desire can be purified. You have to go through the pit. You have to go through the prison because that desire has to be purified. I tell you, the things that God wanted to do in my life that I did not personally have a desire for, I did, he did not have to kill my flesh. But the minute it's something that your flesh desires and God desires, no, no, it's going to be a wild boo-boo because I got to kill the flesh's desire. I got to purify that desire because my goal is for you to bring glory to me. My goal is for you to increase in capacity. I will do it as a byproduct for the vision. So when you're believing for it before you see it, believe for God to increase your capacity. Believe for the opportunity to bring glory to God. Do not, do not focus on the blessing because God did not design the vision to make you happy, but to glorify himself. So the vision you've placed down, the vision you're going to put on your board, the soaring that God is going to do before the end of the 2021, I have to trust that the soaring is going to look the way that God wants it to look. I can't throw a pity party. Well, how you want to help me soar? There's this one area I've been trying to soar in for you ain't let me soar you ain't letting me soar and god's like hold on boo boo bring it back bring it back i am purifying that desire because what it's really about is increasing your capacity to love what it's really about because if you think it's about that you're not going to enjoy it i told you i got everything that i wanted when i came this ground bahama and in five months i sank into depression luckily i was someone had to bring it out to me i think it was the guy that i was dating at the time and maybe that was the purpose of him being in my life and it was like you wanted this and now you have it, but you're in depression. Snap out of it. And like I said, because I snapped out of it, I went to Colombia. I went to China. I went to do this. I spoke in the community. I built so many things because God was like, that was the purpose of me doing that. And God really, he was like, I already gave you the award, which you came there for. Remember I told you I didn't make top five, but the award I won was beauty with a purpose. God was like, that's why I sent you in that pageant because you saw a purpose in beauty pageants. And you're a beauty with a purpose. Full stop. That's the only title you needed to get. Full stop. What, what drew you into the pageantry was that it was more about more than just beauty. And the award for the person who, who sees that, that award that they get on that night is beauty with a purpose. And you got that. So don't cry to me, but you didn't make no top five. Don't cry to me that you don't have no crown. That's not what I sent you there for. So when God sends us into those opportunities that we're believing for, that we're believing God to soar for, what I want your prayer to be and what my prayer is, is God, help me not to focus on that vision because the vision isn't designed to make me happy. The vision is designed to bring you glory. So help me to focus on increasing my capacity to love so I can bring you glory. So remember, you will hear it before you see it because God is trying to increase your level of patience. Remember that God is going to use your area of weakness because love always hopes. So you're hoping in God, even though you have that area of weakness, you're required to sow and to serve into what you're believing for because God, did, because love does not end me. Love does not end me. And finally, you can ask God for confirmation because you always trust. Love always trust. Always trust God. It may not look like it's happening. You may feel like I'm still in my Joseph season. I'm still in the pit. I'm still in the prison. Just say, God, continue to purify my desire. Continue to increase my capacity. Continue to continue my focus to glorify you. Thank you. This was part one of Believe It Before You See It. We're in the series. So if this was a blessing to you, please share this with a friend and please continue to tune in. Thank you guys for tuning in with me. I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.